0: the driven women's guide to love life and business hosted by the boss ladies alex and gabby combined their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you you're listening to girls gone boss
1: hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of girls gone boss i'm gabby And I'm Alex. And we're here to bring you another episode for your listening or viewing pleasure, because now we're on YouTube as well. So welcome to everybody that is also watching us. We're so excited because, you know, our platform is a place where we want to highlight amazing women, but we have never really sat down with someone that is an educator. And obviously, you know, us, you know, Alex and I have. That with millions of women, but educators are just special people that I feel go underrated, underpaid. We know there is a disparity in education. And we have a local woman who is here, beautiful as ever, on this Saturday morning, who has lent her life to give back and create the future for kids and not only just kids it's kids with special needs which is already on a different level so we're excited to sit down especially during the month of autism awareness which is april where we bring more um conversations like this to create acceptance to create to educate others on on this cause so i am so excited to welcome Egley Nunez San Cristobal to the podcast.
0: Welcome. Thank you, you ladies. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So
1: yeah, Egley, I just also wanted to know, I mean, tell our listeners and our viewers that I'm i am very honored to be part of the board that makes up the board of First Stars Prep um, School. And I guess that's how me and you got together and we got connected. And the board is just comprised of different professionals in different realms that help bring awareness resources to the school, um, because you're running this by yourself. <laughs> and, well, you have a team, but this is an, uh, an act of love from you and it's been led by you for many years. Mm-hmm. I guess to start is how did you get started in education and what led you to, to this?
0: Well, really, um, I I, First of all, I thank you so much for being part of our board, um, because really, uh, I can't do it by myself. And as the years have gone on, I've realized more and more that there is special people out there to do this job. And it's taken us uh, 10 years to really fine-tune what our kids and what our community needs. And really what got me started was, you know, studying. Um, I did my bachelor's in early education. And when I was started those classes, you know, I really wanted to, my focus was how do I help those that no one else in my class wanted to help? No one else was signing up for the ESO kids or signing up for those kids with special needs. So long story short, um, I met with my advisor and he said, well, you know, there's a degree in special needs, the K through 12, and you would be specialized in this and that. You would have to take more tests and all of that, but this would be your specialty. And I said, I'm on it. I want it. And that's when I started realizing um, the need, the, the, the need in our schools. Um, when I started working in the public school system, they do the best that they can, not to say anything about the public school system, but there's a need, there's a very big need. And I realized that really, there wasn't enough information out there. There wasn't enough education, even in our textbooks talking about autism. It was something that was students in our class and they would just say well he's he's just having difficulties communicating um he has autism and i would have to go back and say i I don't remember learning about autism i remember learning about all these other exceptionalities but i don't remember autism there was two pages in our textbooks about autism um fast forward 10 years now um, we have a lot more awareness and it's really because of people like yourselves really taking the time to learn about this because it is affecting our children. It's not something that happens as we're older. This is something that literally happens as soon as two years old, then you start seeing the symptoms. Um, and I started our first school, I started it with four kids. One of them is actually graduating this year um, or moving on to, um, to higher education. And you know, it's it's been a journey, ladies, it's been a journey. <laughs> It's been a journey, to say the least.
2: Can you clarify something for me? Because um, when you said that there was only like 10 pages on autism in the textbook, you mean in your special needs courses that you were taking? Yeah. Really? Okay.
0: Well, really, there was really not even 10. There was two to three pages on autism and what that looked like and what the symptoms and really neurologically what that looked like. Um, And there wasn't a lot of information for us as educators to be able to educate these students in particular because they are, it's a different rim. I I don't, you know, I feel that every every exceptionality has its own need and just like autism. So it took a lot of training, it took a lot of research, it took a lot of um, experience, just trial and error, to be honest. And I thank all those kids that were part of that because I learned along the way so much from them to now be able to be better for those that are coming to our school now,
1: yeah. And I also would think because you're you're born and raised here in South Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, predominantly Latino. Correct. Um, I also think uh, autism in the Latin community might mm-hmm. be a little bit still taboo. You don't know. You don't talk yeah. about it. Yep. You're not educated about it. You might treat it as just like a behavioral problem, but correct. Um, sometimes in the Latino community, is also
0: very there's a misconception about like oh no my kid does is, is, is it's fine. a denial. That was the hardest part for me. I have to tell you, and still to this day, still to this day, um, we don't you know we don't have an over amount of kids in our school, and I really think it's because I'm very particular about the families that we enroll because it is so hard for me to sit at the tours and have to convince a parent um, that their child needs this type of specialized um, service, this type of specialized education. It is still very, um, very intense um, in the Hispanic community, um, where it's just, we're not talk about it, he's fine, he'll grow out of it. It's just a phase. Um, but really, women, moms are the ones that usually come the most um, by themselves. Um, and they cry in my office because, you know, they're like, I'm glad I'm not going crazy because everybody says I'm crazy and that I, you know, I'm just making things up. I'm trying to make my kid something that he's not. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard, um, to sit in those meetings and then never hear from them again sometimes or a year or two will go on, we'll go, will pass by and then they're calling again because now it's gotten more severe. Um, it's difficult, and I just pray for them to be honest, I pray for those families because, um, as a mom, you have that that you know um that intuition sometimes about your child, and it's hard when you see something, but yet you don't have that support, and I think we all go through that at some point in our lives um so yeah, I really and say, later yeah.
1: in the later in the conversation, we can get into uh yeah. some of those signs that maybe like. Mm-hmm. So moms listening can kind of take as red flags. Absolutely, absolutely. But do
2: you think th- you think that there's like a pushback from the parent? Because originally, so they come to you, and then like you said, they don't you don't hear from them for a year or two. So do you think that it's because they go back home and then they they get in people get in their ear and they're like, "You're overreacting. You're completely overreacting. Absolutely. They're gonna be fine. They're gonna grow out of it. It's just a stage." Yeah. So then that mother or that, that parent, they feel ashamed for even thinking that about their child. But it's about
0: that. Correct. And that is exactly the guilt that we, that we're, that we're talking about. Um, And so, you know, what doesn't help at times is the pediatricians that are not really educated in that as well. If you're going to pediatrician that gave, you know, that was at your birth and now you're taking your kids to that pediatrician, you know, there's sometimes not, um, as um, understanding of the situation and don't encourage the, hey, go get him evaluated. Hey, go get him, go see a speech therapist, see, you know, why he's not speaking. Um, and, and that's the other part. I think we've gotten better. And then we for a couple of years, we overdiagnosed everyone with autism. And then now it's starting to kind of uh, trickle down as far as really pinpointing what those areas are um, that that child needs specialty in. But absolutely, I see it all the time with moms and and families. Time will go on and then they'll call back and say, you know, I really need him in that specialized school. And I think that's what the problem is. Um, They have a hard time accepting that it is a specialized school. And that's why, you know, in the past year and a half, we started um, enrolling typical kids in our school. Um, And that's the global program, the global school, because we wanted to try to be more inclusive, with our kids to give families that hope and to give families that understanding that it's not just a specialized school. Because I want them to get the help, but being a specialized school, a lot of the parents are kind of like, he doesn't need to be there, but he really does. And that's the hard part. So let's get into
1: what autism is. Yes. And, you know, um, some like the, the statistics that are out there. Because it's it's very prevalent. I feel like everyone listening is going to know someone that has an autistic child or a sibling or someone in their family, friends. So this is something very prevalent. What is it, How you know, some of the statistics, et cetera? Yeah.
0: So, you know, throughout the years, it's, it, it was really one in a hundred and something. And I think it's because, you know, the last 10 years, 12, I would say 15 years, you know, students were not getting diagnosed properly. Um, They were just kept home. Um, And a lot of things have changed, but the statistics now is one in 44, and it affects more boys than girls. Um, And autism is a serious developmental um, disorder that causes inability to communicate effectively. Um, You'll see a lot of obsessive behaviors in that student. Um, Interaction is very limited. But then sometimes um, you'll see that, no, he interacts pretty well. He plays with other kids at the park, but it's not really communicating. Or, you know, he will only play with these legos, And if you don't give him those legos, he'll have a full tantrum. So I can see how then parents are kind of blurred the lines because they're like, well, he's just little. Um, And you'll see this at as young as one. You'll start seeing some of these symptoms. Um, So I can see how some parents that have that child that doesn't have that's, you know, that's why it's called the spectrum because it's very it's very wide, can kind of be like, oh no, he'll get over it. But there's still things on that box that even if you're checking one off, um, we should go get him evaluated and we should get some help. Where would you go to
1: get evaluated and you know, where can someone yeah. I wouldn't know like, okay, where do I go? They, you know, the so ER, my primary yeah, doctor, resources. where do I go?
0: Yeah. So the first thing um that guides and really sparks the whole process is the pediatrician because you need a prescription to take him to get evaluated. So that's really what we're working on is more with those pediatricians to not give those parents that time of saying, come back in six months and if he's still not talking, then we'll, then we'll do something. We're really trying to work with those pediatricians because when they come to us at four or five, it's a lot more, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's a lot more difficult than when if he would have come at two or one and a half. Why is that um, Why is that?
2: How does that make a difference in those two years?
0: Yeah, so it's going back to the the wording of you know a kid's a kid's a sponge. think of it like that. It's literally factual. So the younger that we start working with them and really start organizing their transmissions in their brain because that's really what's going on. The autism brain is 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 intact. It just needs guidance. Um, as early as we can start working with that child and organizing their thoughts, um, their feelings, their how to communicate, how to interact, they're so smart that it's kind of embedded in them at that point where we can really start helping that child as he starts to grow and starts to realize things that other kids realize at four and five. He's already has a kind of head start and saying, wait a minute, I can't do that because I'm going to feel bad because we've been training him and working with him and giving him therapy since he's one and a half, two. And it really decreases the frustration. Ladies, think of, you know, when you feel frustrated because, and, and you're able to speak and someone's not understanding what you're saying, and you're like, you don't understand what I'm saying? How else do I tell you, right? And we can speak. So it really decreases their frustration. And then at the same time decreases You know, their their ability to 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 feel comfortable in their skin because they don't understand why you don't understand. And that starts as early as two, one and a half. So think of it that think of it that way, creating kind of a positive interaction from early on when you yourself feel like something's not jiving, something's not working.
1: It's true. So it's kind of like early prevention is
0: Yep. Key. 100%. Like anything. Early early um, diagnosis, early intervention is key in autism, like everything, but really in autism more because um, we've seen the difference. We've had kids that we've had from two years old that have been able to mainstream. Mainstream means that you're able to leave the specialized school and go into a setting that has um, typical developing students, right, that don't have a diagnosis and function. Um, and function. Um, And, and the key to that is intervention. The key to that. Your, your,
2: your school, particularly on what age um, range do you guys work with?
0: So we, you know, that's, that's a tricky question because I never, I never want to let them go. And, you know, that's got me into trouble because, you know, then we'll go into a middle school grade and, and things of that nature. And I've had to, Um, really, really control um, my urge to help these families, all of them, because there's, they deserve their own space at a certain age. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. So we've decided to, um, as a fifth grade, that child is now transitioned, is what we call it, um, to a middle school, because we feel that that is kind of our area of expertise from that preschool age um, which other schools don't want to work with because you have the diapers and the potty training. We love that age to all the way fifth grade. Got it. Okay. Fifth grade.
2: Now, April is autism awareness month. Yes. Let's talk yes. about that. Tell us
0: yeah. what you, what you guys are doing to bring that awareness. Um, you know, one of the first things that we do is at the school, we start really making it a big deal that this is Autism Awareness Month, we wear blue, we have a party, we celebrate um, because we want the parents to know that it's okay. We want the parents to know that their child's gonna be fine and that they have to be understanding that we're excited about teaching your kids. Um, that's why we want to celebrate and that's, you know, it's been, it's been a touchy subject for years because not everyone feels that way and not every parent that's dropping off their child feels that way at the time. But as they see the progress, they see that it's going to be okay. And, and we have a little bit of that as the range in our school. So we do that. We, we have the kids, um, really understands the ones that that can and can articulate what autism is and you know why you have autism and what can you do about it and how can we help you so we have a lot of those conversations because they hear about it um because they might not be doing it at home so we want to advocate for those kids and then we have this big fundraiser that we also do in april to bring out the adults because you know really those are the ones that need to help those parents that are having questions and if a friend comes to you and says, you know, I don't know, I'm really worried about so-and-so, you know, it's, it's our job to tell that parent, Hey, just tell your doctor, you know, not to try to make them feel better by saying he's going to be fine. Of course we want to say that. But if, if that person feels like something's not okay, you know, like anything, you know, like if you were to say, I, you know, I'm not feeling good. My, you know, my body, you would say, go to the doctor. (laughs) You need to go to the doctor. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So it's just creating that awareness and letting people know that this these people are people and they're amongst us and we need to, like everything, right, that's going on in, right now in this world, um, be accepting and um, knowledgeable and, you know, just help help them feel inclusive. Um, right. I think also
1: giving parents grace. I think awareness has allowed me, you know, working with you in the school has allowed me to kind of pinpoint those kids. And I have a story to tell you guys that. I was um, at a store and it was like a huge line to the register and I was in front of a mom and about like, you know, the child was pretty grown up. He was like seven, six or seven. But I noticed that he was getting irritated by being in the line for too long. And he would cry like randomly um, that the mom was like, I already got you what you wanted. And he's like, no, but I want something else. And he would cry. And then. Oh, I don't want to be in the line. He would cry. And I was like, at first, I was like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think? You judge, right? Oh, what a bratty kid. Like, why is he crying so much? But then my awareness button came on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? This child must be autistic. So let me give him grace. Let me end the mom. You could tell, because the, then he did a tantrum. Right. The mom was super embarrassed. She turned around to me. She said, Ele autistic, autistic. Uh-huh. I don't know who
2: uh-huh. like,
1: I to. She's like, me. Mean, you know, and I'm like, don't worry about it. I understand. I actually even mentioned that I worked with a school for autism. So she was like, oh, thank you. You know, she felt really embarrassed, you know, because everyone was looking at her with a tantrum. So I think building awareness also gives us the ability to give grace to other people and not judge kids out there because you just never know. And it, it just wasn't normal for a childhood age to do those type of tantrums. So I knew that there was something up.
0: I mean parenting alone guys is hard. So, you know, when you when you have to when you also have to deal with can't go to the store because you feel like you're being judged all the time as a mom or as a person, you know, he could have been with anybody and it's hard. It's very difficult to feel like that all the time because it's not like he's just having a day today and, you know, my child's fine. No, it's all the time. So, for for me, it's very um I also have to take moments of, of grace and, and remind myself of that because we have 80 students plus the parents. So it's very, um, it's difficult at times to, to explain this to parents and say, take your kids out, take them to the beach. I mean, with COVID, we, we haven't been able to, in the last two years go to field trips as we normally do. Um, but we go to field trips every month. We just went to the fair. It was our first field trip after these two years um and we're out and about and we go and we take the kids places that if it wasn't because of us they wouldn't go we go to the beach we go to the fair we go to the frost museum we go to the zoo we go to all these places um and the parents come with us because if not they wouldn't have this experience so they feel like it's a safety net and we encourage it we want it um so that they see that it's okay Um, It's okay.
1: Sometimes they're triggered by the stimulus of like being out with people and
0: the sensory they may not be familiar with, right? Yeah. So it's the sensory component. Autism has a huge component that you and I are able able to regulate. That's the word. Um, They're not able to regulate their, their sensory input or output. So we have to teach them that, but they have the capability of learning to do it. See, that's the difference, right? They have the capability, but without therapy and a setting that, that's conducive to that, it, it really, there's a lot of triggers um, that doesn't, that, you know, necessarily doesn't help them to be out in the community. So what do parents do? They keep them in. They, they keep them comfortable. And, and that's actually something that, you know, I understand, but that's something that we really push our parents to try. We give them tools. We tell them to get, you know, get headphones. Sometimes we tell them to get different technologies, fidgets, anything that will keep that child, you know, focused on that item so that he can be around people in public. What are some myths and misconceptions
2: that people have um, about autism in general that
0: you can talk about? They think they can't learn. They think they can't learn. Um, And I get emotional. I'm sorry. It's
2: okay. Take your time.
0: They think they can't learn. Um, people, people, just you know, harsh sometimes. Um, these kids are amazing. Um, they just need a little bit more TLC, and um, it just surprises me how um, people just give up on these kids <clears throat> so quickly. It takes work. I'm not gonna say that um, it's easy. I'm not gonna say that. You know, we have this magic wand um, and our kids learn at the school. It takes a lot of work. Um, But they're amazing. They have zero um, judgment. They love you for who you are. Um, They're super funny. They're energetic. Um, They really teach us the beauty of unconditional love, to be honest. And And what a beautiful
1: thing that there's people like you that are passionate about what they do to help these kids, because there are sometimes kids that are forgotten. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine when you're just us, sometimes we feel that way. Imagine someone with a learning difficulty. So I really commend you for doing life's work with this, because this is not easy.
0: Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, Education, like you mentioned, Gabby, has taken, you know, such a turn. So finding teachers that that are passionate teachers. That um, you know, we're we're five hundred one c three, so we we don't get the funding that other schools get. We have to you know hustle for our funding and and have parents apply for scholarships and do fundraisers and things like that. So we pay our teachers pretty competitively, um, and our ratios are pretty small in the in the school, but it's still work. Teachers, we we should be getting you know they should be getting eighty thousand dollars a year um, to do what they do every day with our kids. Um, and yet it's not seen that way. And I think the day that that changes, our educational expectation for our kids are going to change. What they think they can do with their life is going to change. Um, and that's, that's the key. And, I don't, you know, we, we're focusing on creating all these laws for so many other things. But, yeah, we're not focusing on really the people that are with our kids every day and helping them see the future. And we need to focus more on education and how to find funding for for schools, not just ours, just in general.
1: Because your school is going to potentially allow them to become, um, you know, healthy working adults that could be independent. Correct. Um, So that's
0: important. Not a burden to to society, as many think. Um, And the way to really help that is to put you know, pay our teachers, give them, you know, what we can and everything. And, and we do a lot for them at the school, but, you know, everybody has bills and everybody has responsibilities and it takes a lot of um, courage because we, we really recommend a lot for our kids, the teachers, the therapists. It takes a lot of courage to step out and say, I think your child needs to do this and, and hope and pray that that parent will be receptive and jump on board so we can move on to the next phase. And sometimes they're not. Um, the ones that are, we see a huge difference because we're able to do our job. And the ones that are not, leave the school or go to another school that doesn't tell them those things um, because they don't want to hear it. So it, it's a lot. It's a, it's a job and that really requires a lot of mental strength. And um, But at the end of the day, we do it and we wake up every day and we do it because our kids show up to school every day. And they want to go to school and they want to see us and they want to learn. So we have to be able to show up and give that same energy.
1: Speaking of all of the teachers you're mentioning, um, I know that you work with a lot of women. I had the chance to go to the school and and, um, it was a lot of amazing women in your staff. So I wanted to see you as a leader, as a head of this amazing school. How is it that you lead all these people? How do you empower your staff? Um, Because not only are you, you know, a lead for the children, but you also lead for the the people and your staff. And how do you keep them motivated? You know, it's not every day that's
0: really easy. We are a big group of women. um I think we only have like three men in the whole school. Um, I really focus on their strengths because we we we're very uh, hard on ourselves. We're very hard. Women in general, we're very hard on ourselves, and we give ourselves we put so much pressure on ourselves. Because that's just we're we're built that way. We're we're built to to do that. So I really focus when I can see that things are you know that teachers feeling down and out because something's going on with one of their students or a parent wasn't too nice or you know they're just maybe having personal issues. I really really make an effort to you know get that connection, make that connection, and remind them of their strength and remind them that they can do this because they have a purpose. And I use that word a lot because to do what we do, and anything we do, you have to feel purpose. You have to feel purposeful. Um, if not, everything I feel kind of trickles down your confidence, your your ability to function. Everything you have to feel like you have a purpose, or whatever that purpose might be. Um, we do a lot of um, self, you know, self awareness, goal setting. I send a lot of reflections. Um, I have a we have a chat so every other day I send motivational um, quotes on the chat. You know, usually on you know on Fridays I tend to go a little bit funnier so you know they can kind of see that side. Um, I really try to get them. I give them hugs. The ones that you know are comfortable with that. Um, I remind them how good they look and just really giving them that 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 love because even though I'm very militant as many might say at the school. Um, I do have a really, really soft side. You guys just kind of saw that. But I have to be strong for them. So I have to always, you know, and that's what people don't realize. I have to have a certain um, flow about myself during the day because there's a lot of things going on that not everybody knows all that. I'm usually the only one that knows about everything that's going on. So it's, it's about motivation. It's about motivation. It's about reminding them how awesome they are. And just listening. Sometimes it's just listening.
1: So how do you keep yourself motivated? You're motivating everybody else. How do you keep yourself motivated? Um that's a good question, Gabby. Um, I didn't think of that. That wasn't that wasn't part of the list. Honestly. No, I wasn't. But I'm just thinking because sometimes as women we also give um, so much of ourselves, but we forget to give to ourselves in order to, you know, because we gotta like fill the the tank, you know, and if we're always giving, giving, giving. We have to know, okay, how I do I do that replenish? I hear, you. Do I do I hear that? you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, or maybe it's just an awareness. Maybe you need
0: to incorporate that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I I feel like I have a duty. I feel like God put this in my heart, to be honest. And I feel like this is my purpose. So I feel like I can't quit. It's that kind of, and when we started the school, I say we because I feel like there's so many people had a, a hand in everything we do. But when I started the school, it was it was very hard. I was a teacher. I wasn't a business person. I mean, you're talking about finances. You're talking about all these things that I did not go to school for. I was just coming into it with an open heart. Like I want to help the world. I want to help all these kids and didn't take into consideration that this is a business. So I struggled to learn all that, but I didn't quit because I really felt that it was my purpose. Like this was given to me and it was like that gut wrenching, like I have to do this. I can't, give up on this? What am I going to do if I don't do this? I'm going to wake up and be miserable. And even though sometimes it's hard to get up in the morning, I remind myself that this is my service. Um, if everyone would really think about servicing others, I feel like this world would be so different. Um, and not that I'm, you know, St. Teresa here, but I, I I, feel like we have to find that because there's so many other negative things that just come by themselves. Like you are not even looking for them, that you have to stay that way. And then also, you know, the people around me, sometimes when I'm feeling unmotivated and I'm still showing up and, you know, still present and nobody knows I'm unmotivated that day, somehow, you know, I get those, those, Hey, Ms. Did you hear about this? Hey, and I just, throughout the day, it reminds me of our purpose. So people are motivating me and they don't even know it. Um, and, and my family, of course, you know, is my number one support and um, all this.
1: And your mom, too. So it's like you do it all. She just yeah. had a baby, too. He's so yeah. cute. Oh, yeah.
0: Congrats. My baby boy. My baby boy. So, yeah, it's, um, it's not easy, but we're here, right? We wake up every morning. That's a blessing. What are the
2: challenges that you faced with opening the school? Because like you mentioned, you were not. You, you didn't go to school for business. You went to school for education. Yeah. So what are those challenges you face with funding, with opening yeah. the school, securing a, a brick and mortar?
0: Yeah, ladies, I wish that I would have known more about business or had more of that. Um, it wasn't in my toolbox because all my, my mentors were educators. So I didn't have any business mentors because I, I, was, I was an educator. I am an educator. It was difficult, the part of the funding, it was difficult, um, you know, finding, you know, people that would invest in my business, um, people that really wanted to invest for the right reasons. Um, and a lot of them didn't work out. And that was hard because, you know, it created jives. And, and I'm sure any woman that's trying to open a fashion line, trying to open a store, trying to open any type of business. um. You know, you you have to find your sources and you have to go through a lot before you realize, OK, this is this is the one. This is the one that really cares. But really, the funding came with the kids because the kids, um, you know, were able to apply to scholarships that the government has. And honestly, I didn't you know, I didn't get a salary for three years almost um, where I put my family in, you know, in, in a financial situation, I had to move in with my, you know, at that time, you know, raised parents, I, you know, like I was evicted, I didn't have money to pay anything, but I still showed up to work. Um, I was the cleaning person in the morning, and then I would change. So teachers didn't know that I was the one cleaning the school um, every morning. Um, and to this day, one of the assistant principals at the school, she, I, I put too much Clorox, you know, in the toilet and it kind of, whatever, long story short, and she noticed my pants And she's like, you know, imagine I hadn't even noticed. So I like this huge Clorox patch on my pants. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. And it was because, you know, I hadn't brought it, whatever, extra clothes. But you go through that. And then you look at what you've built. How do you give up? You can't. You, You can't. It's impossible. You have to keep staying focused. And you have to the fact that these parents believed in me when I had nothing. We were a little school in Westchester, a commercial property in then you know, those little schools. And when parents would register, I'm like, yeah, you you really want to register? They're like, yeah, this is amazing. This is great. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay. So these parents believed in me, you know, believed in what I wanted to do and my passion to help their kids and learn together. So it's hard to give up on that. It's hard to just call it quits. Um, Because
1: you're not only giving up on yourself, like you're, it's like almost like you owe it to the kids. So it keeps you fueled.
0: Yeah, And, you know, I say it all the time. I struggle a lot when parents leave the school. Um, I struggle a lot with that. Um, And I've learned to think of it as a season. You know, I'm going to give you my best season. And if you're with me for a long season, awesome. And if you're with me with a short season, I'm going to give you the best I can and wish you the best in in, and for that student, really. Um, Because, you know, parents, you know, parents are parents, you know, parents are parents, adults are adults. And sometimes we don't agree in what's best for the child because we really feel like there are kids as well. We feel like they're ours. And sometimes we don't agree. And I've learned to say that's OK. Um, they have their own journey. And I'm going to give you the best that I got while you're with me, um, because we've had I mean, over the years, imagine 10 years, how many families with us. And I wish them the best. And the ones that are still with us, we see the improvements and we see the relationship, we see the relationship and those parents and the trial and errors that we've gone through to make them better.
1: So I would guess the most rewarding for you and this is just to see the kids thriving and, and to know that you're waiting for a part. day to make someone's yeah. life. Different. I had a part in
0: that small, big. Um, I had a part in that. Um, that's, that's pretty amazing to me. Um, no, no money can actually give that, to be honest. Um, and teachers feel like that too. Um, we just want to keep them forever, but you know, like I said, I've had to learn to 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 create that um, that barrier because we can't. They deserve others other things. At our school, because of financials, because it's very expensive, um, we don't have the facilities to do that. Um, but it is amazing to see them and parents email me pictures after the years to show me how they're doing. They still follow us on Instagram and it's, it's nice. It's very rewarding to see that.
1: Yeah. No. And the school is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's, it's like, it feels very like home, you know, um, and it's beautiful to have like a woman behind that, you know, Mm -hmm. like the, the woman's touch. And that's why I thought it was important to give you that highlight here on the podcast. Thank you. Um, Because some of the work that we do that sometimes we feel like, how in the hell am I going to make this happen? (laughs) Um, But has such a big impact in the world and in people's lives that if you just keep going, you just never know
0: how big it could really get and how much more impact you can do. So you're living proof of that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gabby. Um, You know, I'm very ambitious and I have to sometimes remind myself of what we all have accomplished. I think, like I said, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and, you know, I always want to be recognized or the school to be recognized because we're not, you know, we have a brand, we have a name, but we're not, you know, a charter school. We're not this big public school, you know. And I guess if we could create more awareness that organizations like ourselves exist, um, not just for autism, but, you know, like the Lotus House, like all these amazing organizations that survive based on what you and I talk about, because there's no advertising. We don't have money for marketing. We can't just hire you know, put somebody on retainer all the time for PR and social media. You know, like so. I, you know, I would just like to really create more of that awareness in people. Like, reach out to these local organizations um, that are really putting in the work to help those people that need it, um, because we're we're small, and you know, a help from a big organization or from a big brand um, makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. I also want to mention that, which we didn't. Uh, talk about
1: and I think is important and makes a differentiator about your school is that it's service-based learning as well Mm -hmm. so you also not only you know give them the basic skills education but you also incorporate the give back the service uh, to the children how how did that come about and what are some of the things that you do to incorporate that
0: kind of model so we were focused a lot on um, service learning and how to go into the community and do different things. Um, again, you know, with COVID, we've had to stop for the last two years. And when we created uh, SARS Global, which is part of our school, which is the neurotypical students, um, we wanted to create a school that brought in these kids, and a lot of them are the siblings of the autistic kids, um, that was not just education-based. It was really more about what how can I solve problems that are in the world because you see something you're like I know that's wrong but I can't do anything about it no you can so how do we do that how do we build these kids are growing up on iPads and and technology and TikTok and all these things when we used to play out in the front yard with our neighbors how do we create that connection that human connection um and I, I said the best way to do that is by servicing others. So the word service learning comes in because you teach them how to. They're, they're learning while they're servicing. So they have to, for example, you know, Lotus House is one organization we donate to. They have to call there. They have to email. They have to find the problem, agree on the problem, and then actually say, "How do we solve that problem?" And then they have to amongst themselves figure it out. So we we wanted to donate kid. They wanted to donate toys to. Um, Nicholas hospital. And it was crazy because they were like, Oh, we, we can just go buy it. Let's go, let's go buy it. But like the teacher was like, no, we can't just go buy it because we need money. Well, the school can pay for it. Like, the school doesn't have money. How are we going to get these toys? They couldn't figure out how to get money to buy these toys. So then the teacher is like, well, maybe we can sell something. What can we sell? And then they started garage sales, bake sales and all these things. And then we ended up raising $350 and then the school when they matched it. And then, of course, you know, we went to Walmart. And at Walmart, we took the jar of money. It's not like I took my car. Co- you know, we took a jar of money and everybody had a budget and they had to buy these toys. They had to stand in line. They, ha- You know, we make them go through all that process because we have to teach kids that learning is important. Absolutely. But sometimes you're not that A plus student. And But you're great at communicating with someone on trying to get them. You're a big, a good business person. You're a good marketing person. You, you're a great artist. You can make these crazy flyers. Like, So we're teaching them that it's not just about being smart in the books. It's also being um, smart in how we, you know, service others and what we can do with our skills and our talents. So that's what service learning is about. And that's what we now are really feeling since COVID is kind of, you know, we're doing better with that. We're able to streamline that um and do more of that service learning
1: I absolutely love that
0: because they also see like okay the jar we got
1: money now there's no more money in the jar like this is how economics works,
0: you know and the funniest part during the whole thing was they were looking for toys for them and we were like no these toys are for others and they're like but I really like this toy I said I know you like this toy but you're supposed to be looking for girls between the ages of nine and 10 and that and then there it was so I mean the teachers and I reflected on it because I went on the field trip of course I don't miss out on these things and we were like it's you know it was so empowering. like it was so powerful for these kids there you can see it they're like oh so I'm leaving here with nothing I'm leaving here with no toys for me and I have to think of someone else and it was a game changer it was a game changer for us Uh, we saw the power in thinking of others so we're really happy about it and it's still developing. We're still growing it as far as, you know, as our enrollment grows, our service learning will grow and our opportunities will grow. But it's 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 great what you can do with kids um, and how they wanna learn and how they wanna be accepted. And they're looking at you for the answer. So we have a big responsibility to, to really help the generation that's coming up and how they can grow themselves.
1: I think you guys are doing an amazing job. So Thank you, Gabby.
0: We try. We try.
1: So let's bring it back. I think it's important to kind of like wrap up this interview with um, some of those signs that maybe, you know, a parent right now listening or someone that might not really know, okay, is this something I should be concerned about? Like, what are some of those signs you should be looking out for in your toddler? Because
0: this is something that starts pretty early or can be detected really early. Yeah. One of the big things that I would tell a parent um, is texture, sensory. The child's having a lot of difficulty with different textures, doesn't want to shower. Um, You give them, you know, different textures and they, you know, they have a, a, you know, they don't like it. They're having a a full-fledged crying session. Um, We see a lot of the communication, um, not being able to really, even as as babies, um, the eye contact is a big one eye contact is a big one. And I think that if a parent sees their child's eyes glazing a lot and not really, um, turning to you when you're, you know, speaking to them or really making that eye contact, that's the first sign that is the first sign. And you should not wait to get the other signs because that in itself, um, is a delay in development. Um, so that should be your first sign. Um, and if you go to a doctor and the doctor says, Oh no, you know, He'll catch up. He'll eventually, you know, take him, go to another pediatrician. You go to another pediatrician because what I want parents to understand is that no problem can be solved if we don't know the problem. And I know it's difficult, but the moment we have a diagnosis, sky's the limit. We can do so many things from speech therapy, occupational therapy, applied behavioral therapy. I mean, so many things that we can do as early as two, as early as one and a half, and that giving this child, your child, an opportunity, because that's what we're doing. We're giving them an opportunity. We're not trying to fix them. We're giving them the tools for them on their time to use them and, and have that opportunity to develop. That's what I tell parents. It's not about fixing them. It's not about thinking about something's wrong with them. Is really giving them an opportunity. It's kind of like therapy, right? you are like, oh, I don't need therapy. Everybody needs therapy. Therapy is great. Who doesn't want to go and vent for an hour, right? Who doesn't want to go and have someone listen to you? It's kind of the same thing. Um, anything that we do for our kids is going to be beneficial, especially when you're working with people that are professional and experts in those areas. Um, we do it all the time. We go to the hairstylist, then we go to the eyelash girl, we do our nails with someone else. You go to a specialist. Um, and I'm, I'm making that reference, not saying that it's like autism, but just to make it, simpler in our minds that they just need a specialist to help them through this path, um, that can help them grow.
1: Amazing. And another thing is there a correlation between having a baby older and are you predisposed to having a child that maybe has autism?
0: Yeah. So this topic is very, very, um, sensitive, um, and, There is a lot of research, so I'm definitely going to reference that. There's verified research, not just research. There's verified research that indicates that the development of an embryo from older couples, does you do have a higher risk of having a child with developmental delays. Um, Simply because what I've learned also, because I had to have IVF, what I've learned also is that, um, you know, we don't always have the same quality of eggs. I mean, we're not going to get into, right. We're not going to get into a whole thing about that, but we have a whole episode about it. You can have me on that segment then. But pretty <laughs> much, yes, um, it, it does. And there's verified science for that, that does show that. Um, I am the, you know, particularly I, you know, I did my PhD and, and I studied a lot of this. Um. It it has a lot to do, ladies, um, with what honestly we're putting in our bodies. The mutation of genes that it's occurring is astronomical. Um, is it's it's a lot. Um, you know, first time occurrences where you don't have um these conditions in your family, not just autism, various conditions, and you're that first generation because there's a mutation in your in your genes. And that is huge. That that's huge. And I feel that. We really need to take care of what we're putting in our bodies, what we're eating, um, being more conscious of that, um, because it does have, um, it does have a consequence. It does have an out, an out um, it does have a consequence. Um, vaccines themselves, I, I don't think vaccines cause um, autism. I think that, and I believe actually that, nothing. think, I believe that if you already have a a weak immune system and staying on schedule with the vaccines the way this country does the vaccine schedules, it does not help, is what I'm saying. I'm not necessarily saying that it's going to cause autism. I'm just saying that it's very aggressive, the vaccine schedules that we have here. Um, And I just think that we need to taper that. And that's why now doctor's offices, you can... um, you can change that schedule of your kids' vaccines. I have kids at school that don't are not vaccinated and they have autism. So, you know, it's not necessarily that vaccines cause autism. It's just that it happens to be at that two-year-old age when you have to get that big panel of vaccines that you start seeing a decrease in your child's abilities that they were doing before the vaccines. Um, and that's because there was already a, a, an immune system that was weakened from birth, from right for com- from conception, mm-hmm. and now you're putting all these vaccines that your body has to rebuttal, um, and your body's having difficulties with that. And um, there's a lot of science behind that. Um, you know, I'm a God woman and I'm a faithful woman, but science um, has also shown us that we have to be careful with. You know, we have to we have to be knowledgeable and understand that not everything that. <clears throat> we do with our kids is necessarily the way that we should do it based on what the recommendations are. Vaccines are big. Vaccines are big. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. That's interesting. Yeah. There's, I mean, yeah, there's a big topic on that. A lot of conversation around that.
1: So to wrap it, I want to talk about the exciting event that's coming at the end of the month on April 29th. Yes. Um, Tell us about the fundraiser event
0: here in Miami. I'm so excited because we finally get to get together for this event. It's um, we usually do a big gala and it's a big, like long dress and all that fun stuff. And we haven't been able to do that. It's one of our biggest fundraisers. Everybody comes out. We have a great time. We get to auction a lot of the kids artwork because our kids are amazing. And we haven't been able to do that. So to. To kind of soften things and, and, and start that up again, um, we're going to do what I call kind of like a soft fundraiser. So it's more of like a networking Fun, free, just you know, standing around, talking and and really admiring all the artwork that the kids are gonna be doing, getting to know our teachers, our board members are gonna be there. And it's a good time to to donate. It's a good time to see what we're doing at our school. A lot of our parents are going, which I'm super excited about because they never really get to get out. So we're really excited. Our therapists are gonna be there. It's just a time to celebrate, honestly. You know. I was, you know, I was thinking, you know, even if we don't raise our goal, I just want us all to get together because we always look forward to this party and just to kind of let loose and have fun. And we haven't been able to do that. So this fundraiser is really, yes, to create awareness. Uh, Seasons 52, I reached out to them because one of their employees um, that we know of said, you know, I've never seen my, you know, my job, my employer do anything for autism. We do things for other causes, what we don't do for autism and autism isn't, you know, it's near and dear to me. And I say, no, I'm going to reach out to them. I'm going to reach out to them and I'm going to tell them that, you know, very gracefully. But I did. And they were like, you know what, let's do it. And I will be forever grateful to them because, again, we're not very big. We're not like this big brand. And, you know, at season 52, and I'm going to make sure I I really spot them a lot, said, let's go. We're going to make it happen. What's your budget? What are we doing? And they were totally up for it. Um, so I am very grateful to them. So we're going to have fun. Uh, we're going to have artwork. We're going to have raffle items. We're going to have a stars merch table, which I love because it's a lot of cute stuff that you can buy um, and just have a good time. Just, you know, be grateful and thank God that we're, we're, we're still doing what we're doing and just really create that, that energy again for
1: the school. Yeah, and I want to mention that if you're in the Miami area and you want to come and network, this is also a community event. This mm-hmm. is where you're going to meet. You know, I'm going to be there. Egli's mm-hmm. going to be there. Just a lot of people that are making things happen locally here that are great professionals, great human beings. Um, it's a great way to come network and, and also give back to an amazing school that you know is ran by a woman. You know, mm-hmm. it's already tough as it is. Um, and, and so it, I think it's important to also give back and it's the, the month of, to bring awareness. So, um, and maybe if you have family that is, you know, impacted by autism, it's a good way to also yep. give back. Um, I encourage you guys, even if you're not in Miami, you're listening or watching, you can go to starsautism.eventbrite.com, And there, there's a space where you can just donate, you know, donate whatever you want. Even if you're not buying a ticket for the event itself. You can just donate $20, $10, whatever is in your heart. Just know that it's going to the school, it's going for the kids, and and to help fund some of these amazing activities that are going to help um,
0: all these kids. So now I'm excited
2: for it. Now, question, is this an, an adult-only event, or is it yes, for the whole family?
0: It's adult-only. We try to really make it that way so that parents can come out and really – um, unwind, unwind, unwind. Yes. judgment-free yes. zone, Fantastic.
1: unwind with wine. Yes. <laughs> good. <ahead. laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But I so think, you- let, yeah, let everybody know where they can reach you. If you're on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, and we'll definitely tag the event link. So if anybody mm-hmm. wants to donate you're we definitely are looking for donations.
0: And Yeah, we definitely, you know, you would be surprised on how much help anyone can give to our school from a handy person that can build things for us and can just you know donate their time. We always need help in things around the school from, you know, a monetary donation. We have a lot of um, enrichment programs that we're constantly trying to bring to the school that, you know, costs money. Um, so any donation is always helpful. And we are a 501c3. So any donation you give is um, tax deductible. We are a fully fledged nonprofit organization and you can definitely go on the Eventbrite. And then our Instagram is stars underscore autism. You, you know, you can send me messages through there. They definitely get to me. Um, You can also send me emails at enunez at starsautism.org. And I'm here. I'm here for anything that the community needs. And if I could be of service, please definitely reach out to me. We love it. Thank you. Alex. Yes. I got so emotional
2: (laughs) my (laughs) nose is running and I'm like trying not to like um but I have to (laughs) sorry I'm sorry I got emotional it's just
0: Gabby asked the right question at the right time no but it's such
2: a it's everything that you're doing is so beautiful and it all comes from service and it it, you can tell that you have such a passion for it and you have found your calling so thank you and I I know everybody thanks
0: you for this thank you so much thank you ladies for for letting me have a, a space to talk and let women know that it's okay, we're all here, we're all going through something. Um, I mean, that's the main. That's the main. Um, that's the main thing I want to get across. Like we're all going through something.
1: Yeah. And I feel like anybody listening to that may have a child that's autistic and maybe doesn't live in South Florida. I encourage you to still get in contact with Agri. Yeah,
0: she could yep. be absolutely a yeah. resource. You know, when you feel like, Sam, yeah. who do I talk to? Who will understand? Exactly. And that's the main thing, Gabby, you hit it right on the nail. Sometimes the calls that I get, I talk to people that I never actually even meet. And it's not because they're going to come to the school. It's just because they're like, am I on the right page? Like, Am I really seeing this? And I have to tell them you are. And if your husband doesn't support you, you know, you're all Go to another. You know, because at the end of the day, sometimes you feel, and it's it's like with everything. You know, with with all the other things that we go through, sometimes you feel like nobody understands you, or nobody sees you, or nobody gets you. And sometimes it takes a total stranger to just say, no, you're not. You're not wrong. You you're it's you're right. And this is what you need to do. And then I know a lot of organizations around the country that. Um, you know, Chicago, I've gone to a lot of different places that so I can help with that and, and and guide them in that. And a lot of the times that's all what I'm used for is for that to be that tool. Um, so you don't necessarily have to reach out to me because you're going to register at the school. Sometimes it's just a question and I'm OK with that, too.
2: I would I love it. I would love if you could. Maybe provide our listeners with uh, links and resources that we can put in our episode notes, so that in case they have any questions or they don't know where to go for those resources, we can at least help them find that. Absolutely, thank you. So the
0: biggest, so the biggest resource I always tell parents is to go to the CDC um, website because it's constantly being updated and it's very informative. Um, it, it really outlines a lot of the things that, um, and very simple for anyone to read. Cause right when you're reading anything, I, I definitely don't recommend Google. But when you're reading anything and you kind of be like, "Oh my gosh, this sounds just like it," you want something simple that you can register. Um, so I'll definitely help you guys with those links so you guys can put on Perfect. on here. Um, but you know, if you have a child or you think you have a child with autism, it's not going to be the end of the world. That's what you need to. That's what you need to know. It's not the end of the world. There's so many people out here that want to help your child. You just have to reach out to them. There's people that literally do this for a living. They, they study this because they, they know they're going to be, you know, with your child. Parents sometimes come to us and say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You know, he's he's having a chance. And we're like, we know. Like, we know. It's it's okay. So I think that's important to tell parents. Like, we know. We're expecting this because we know this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That in itself makes any parent feel like, okay, I can breathe um, and it's going to be okay. And that's what people need to know. It's going to be okay.
1: It's going to be okay, guys. So mm-hmm. if you're out there, don't feel by yourself. Yep. Um, this was so valuable. So Thank valuable. You. Yeah. Thank you, ugly yeah, Um, again, yeah. uh, go to starsautism.eventbrite.com mm-hmm. and help. Um, this amazing woman to keep doing these amazing things for the kids. So, thank you, thank you everyone for listening, eggly It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I think it was long overdue. Um, especially, I'm very proud that we did this during Autism yes. Month. Yes. because that's what our platform is for: is to create mm-hmm. awareness. And we don't know how many girls we're going to impact, or even men, because some men yep. listen to this. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you the the so much. You
0: do. Thank you for everything you do, because this is an amazing platform for women to come on here and just be reminded of, of our, how amazing we are and how good we are. Yes.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, and have a wonderful day.
0: Bye. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. And Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.